This is Bach Talk. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The heart of the credo, I believe, as expressed in the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. You're hearing the Bach Society of St. Louis in a performance of Bach's Mass in B minor, conducted by Dr. A. Dennis Sparker. Hello, I'm Ron Clem. Welcome to Bach Talk. Dennis Sparger became the music director and conductor of the Bach Society of St. Louis in 1986. He recently surpassed founder Dr. William Heine as the longest tenured conductor in the Bach Society's 82-year history. Maestro Sparger has conducted more than 195 performances with the Bach Society, which means that, before the current season concludes, he will have reached the 200th performance plateau. The number of singers that Dennis has led over the years can be measured in the thousands, and the cumulative audience that he has impacted with the Bach Society alone would fill St. Louis's Bush Stadium twice. Last time on Bach Talk, we began this series of podcasts with the first part of our extended conversation with the maestro. From the Sparger's breakfast room, we chatted about a bevy of topics. We learned all about Dennis's upbringing in Harvey, Illinois, just south of Chicago, about his first recollections of music at home, his musical development from starting on the accordion to learning the piano, then the double bass and cello. And we heard about his side gigs, too, playing jazz around town in the evenings while pursuing his bachelor's degree at Eastern Illinois University. Today, we want to pick up where we left that conversation as a promising young conductor began to see his life's course unfold, one which turned out to be his mother's plan all along. As I was wrapping up my senior year, I was a little ahead of the game because I was taking extra courses and I was able to get a little bit of a head start into a master's degree. And I was offered uh, a position as a graduate assistant. So I would get free tuition and a very minor stipend. And by then I had a church choir and I had a, a couple of bars where I played piano on weekends and was paid okay. And, um, and by that time I was married and uh, had our, our little girl Cindy. And I thought, if ever I'm going to get a master's degree, this is the time to do it. So we stayed on. Um, and by that time, we were living in uh, student housing for married students. Uh, it was an area we called Fertile Acres. <laughs> but <laughs> That's but it was a, a place to be, a nice place to be. You know, sure. And uh, university supported, so the rent wasn't terribly high. Um, and during that summer, when I was taking classes, another fellow came in uh, from Germany. He was an American who had worked in Germany and played in studio bands, radio bands, uh, playing really highly sophisticated jazz. 
And he was back at Eastern, I think, picking up a master's degree then. So we played what then used to be called jam sessions. Uh, I don't know what they call them now. Players would just get together and we'd have like a common uh, repertoire and we just played together. And he played valve trombone really well. Valve trombone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And my my jazz piano playing uh, by that time was fair. So I got through. Well, I finished my master's degree and started looking for jobs and kept turning them down. Uh, And late in August, (laughs) as as Helene was going crazy, thinking, will he ever get a job? Um, An offer came from Urbana High School. Uh, So I took that job, and it turned out to be a wonderful first-year position. Uh, for me. You know, the students, many were uh, children of professors at the University of Illinois. Were So many of them were so gifted and talented. Sure. A couple of them had perfect pitch. My. Uh, several played piano really well. And we just had a great year. But at the end of the year, I could see that a lot of wonderful seniors were leaving. And the counselors were advising students to take a fifth solid instead of choir. And I thought, I can see where this is going. Yeah. yeah. Well, I could mention here that every once in a while, uh, in the mornings when I'd have my break, I'd go to, to the teacher's lounge and have a cup of coffee uh, with Igor Stravinsky's daughter-in-law. Really? Yes. By then, I was young and stupid and hardly <laughs> knew that. It was that, a big deal. That, that it was a big deal. <laughs> and and I should have used that, you know, that leverage to, uh, to meet, you know, the master himself. Wow. But there were wonderful times. Um uh, this fellow who played valve trombone by that time had moved to Belleville. Uh, it was working in, in the junior college. At that time, it was Belleville Junior College, and it, but it was starting to grow and had a little bit of a music department built on one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wanted a choral director. He was looking for a choral director that could play jazz piano and drink beer. For what reason? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but he had, he had interviewed people from like very fine uh, universities, and uh, he remembered me, so he gave the call. We came down, took a look. Had a beer? Had a beer. <laughs> and uh, it was about a 50% pay increase. And, and in addition to teaching, it uh, offered summer school to teach and an evening overload class. Uh, and I thought, you know, here I have a wife and a child. I have people to support. And, and this is an opportunity, you know, uh, to keep growing and and helping my family at the same time. So we thought, we'll come here for two years and then move on. Boy, I know that feeling. So, but you didn't know anything really about Belleville or the St. Louis area necessarily. Not really. I, I had a college roommate who was from Belleville. Yeah, and he had, you know, mentioned, you know, what a very nice place it was to live. Mm-hmm. And it was not too unlike uh, Harvey in South Chicago. Um uh, hard-working people that were generally, you know, pretty pleasant. The concluding chorale from Der Geisthilft, a double chorus motet by Johann Sebastian Bach. The Bach Society of St. Louis in concert, conducted by Dennis Sparger.
More of our conversation with Maestro Sparger straight ahead. I'm Ron Clem, and this is Bach Talk. As our conversation with Bach Society music director and conductor Dennis Sparger continues, we find the Spargers planting roots in the greater St. Louis area, as Dennis was now teaching in a burgeoning junior college in Belleville, Illinois. So I started that first year with a college. Right. I, you know, I had the choir, I uh, had a smaller group of singers that taught piano, uh, taught voice, taught music appreciation, <laughs> kept everything going. The works, yeah. And uh, met uh, Sam Andrea, who then later founded Andrea's Restaurant. He was a wonderful alto sax player uh, and played in his quartet for a while. Um, started working in other clubs and restaurants around. Um, and the years started going by. By the time I got to my fourth year, I had uh, achieved tenure already. And I thought, wow, now I'm in a position where they can't fire me. Uh, and, and that's a good place to be. And I was just a few years away from qualifying for a sabbatical. And I knew that I had wanted to start a doctorate. So the way I did it was I started telling people, I'm going to get a doctorate. I'm going to go to the University of Illinois and get a doctor's degree in music. And I thought, by telling everyone, I thought, I sure better do this. You know, so I you know, took the entrance exams, got approved, started taking the, a few classes they thought I needed. And in the meantime, I started going to some summer sessions there. Uh, eventually, my turn came up for sabbatical. And in those days, they provided them half pay to go to school for a full year. Isn't that something? And we thought, well, we can make this work. Sure. Well, we moved up. To, you know, By that time, we'd bought a house. We rented our house out, moved to Urbana, uh, started going to school. But by December, I realized this money is getting rather thin <laughs> with only half pay because the expenses didn't cut in half No, at all. So I found an agent and picked up a job playing at the Champagne Holiday in five nights a week. And in those days, I think for about $200 a week. So, wow, that while really, While you're working while on your going, doctorate. Yes. Holy yeah. smokes. Yes, yeah. That's so a, I, you know, I'd get home at 2 or 3 in the morning. I, no wonder you're a night owl. Be in class, <laughs> not anymore, and be in class by 9 the next morning. And, um, yeah, it was a real struggle. But I pushed my way through, took uh, final exams at the end of the year, and then started working on a paper. Well, came back to the college, and I realized, you know, with all of this big music I've been learning, uh, you know, major works especially, and works for chorus and orchestra, I needed to start getting some experience in that area, because my goal even then was to get a university job. So I talked to my dean about starting a community chorus, and, uh, you know, my department head was all for it, the dean was all for it, the president of the college decided, yes, this would be great, so we started what was called the Belleville Area College Community Chorus. And we grew rather quickly with a lot of wonderful people, uh, you know, from the adult world and, you know, some of my college students as well, and started doing uh, concerts, uh, selling tickets, raising money, uh, paying the orchestra, hiring soloists, and all of this had to be run through the college. Um, so we were thinking about how can we make this work a little more smoothly. Um, so we petitioned to see if we could um, amicably divorce, and that worked out very well. Yeah. Uh, that we became an independent, you know, 501c3 organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, became incorporated. Uh, we had people who could 
run the business side uh, uh, quite well. And we, uh, by that time, had changed the name to Masterworks Chorale to kind of reflect the quality of music and performance that we were giving. And during the 80s and early 90s especially, uh, Masterworks Chorale was performing at a very high level that compared you know, to the best in St. Louis. Uh, we just had great people uh, that were coming in that had good musical skills. So that's how that happened. And that's how we met. I mean, it, when in talking about the Masterworks yeah. Chorale, before... Uh, you were asked to uh, come to the Bach Society. Do you remember those days, well, how that happened? Yes, I do. But, uh, but the year before that, okay. uh, Masterworks had, had realized we needed to increase our publicity. Uh, already the Belleville News Democrat was you know, writing nice little articles about us and that, but we, we needed more help. So uh, Sandy Wagner, Steve Bloomer, and I went to visit the publisher of the paper. Uh, who at that time was Darwin Weil. And we sat down and talked to him. We did the whole spiel about here's who we are, here's what we do, here's what's happening at the community. Here's, here's what the, we need. Here's the benefit, and, and we need some help. Right. So he asked, well, what kind of help do you need from me? And I said, we need some help with advertising. And he thought for a moment. He said, okay, we'll give you 500 column inches per year. Now, that's huge. That's, that's a lot. That means like quarter page, half page ads for each concert. Yeah. So and in those days, people read newspapers. Yeah, imagine yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you lived on this side of the river, we're in Illinois, by the way, yeah. it, uh, you you bought the, the Belleville News Democrat. And you see this. Uh, so we had the, you know, these wonderful feature articles coming out by Roger Schleter. They would explain everything about a concert. And then these wonderful ads would show up in the paper. Uh, no reviews, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> because we, we had nothing we had to live down. Uh, and, and then... Uh, we got up ready to leave, thanked him profusely, and, and Darwin said, well, what else can we do? And we thought, well, and we're thinking, thinking, and we thought, well, we'd, we'd like to start a children's choir. And he says, great, because I would like to write to our owners, which I think at that time was capital something or other, and get a grant that would serve my community. So we worked out this deal that he would uh, provide $5,000 if we could raise $5,000 to start a children's choir. So we started in the first year, I think we had about 60 singers come in. And these were five of the most wonderful years I think I've ever lived because anything you could teach, children could learn. Right. <laughs> They were sponges, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were, yes. Yeah. So they were singing Bach yeah. and Handel and Purcell and Vaughn Williams and Benjamin Britten. And uh, some of the difficult pieces, well, uh, uh, last year we did a piece by Malcolm Williamson with a Bach Society that we did with Children's Chorus with sad. orchestra. Wow. <laughs> it was just amazing. Uh, but the next year I had a call and was asked to interview for the Bach Society. Now, by that time, Masterworks Chorale had been hiring orchestra players largely from St. Louis, and our orchestra contractor, that is the person who engages all the players, distributes the music, collect, you know, all of this, uh, was Jan Parks. And uh, she was also on the board of the Bach Society, and they were in the process of going through a change, and she suggested that they interview me. Now, of course, no one and the Box Society Board had ever heard of me uh, or Masterworks Chorale and were a little reluctant, but they agreed uh, to do this. So I came in and I just told them what I thought and they liked it. 
and they made me an offer, and I thought, well, I'll do this for a year. So I refused to take any payment until the end of the year because I didn't want it worked into my budget. <laughs> and that's how it started. And, and that now, was 1986. 86. Uh, no, that's 37 years ago. Imagine that. That uh, I never dreamed I would stay this long or they would want me this long. Uh, but it has been just a wonderful, wonderful journey. All the m incredible people that I've met you know, during that period of time, uh, the amazing music that we've performed, uh, uh, the people in the audience uh, who've been so gracious with their donations and supporting. To, you know, we now have an endowment uh, to help the, or the organization survive for long after I'm gone. So it's been a great journey. One of virtually every choral music lover's favorites, Salvation is Creative by Pavel Chesnikov. The Bach Society of St. Louis from a concert in 2011 conducted by Dennis Sparger. That's right, the Bach Society doesn't limit itself solely to the music of Bach, but rather presents music in the spirit and tradition of the master. That tradition continues today. And so does our conversation with Maestro Sparger straight ahead. I'm Ron Clem, and this is Bach Talk. You talked about uh, your jazz background uh, at length, and now uh, with your incredible tenure with the Bach Society, I wonder if there's any way to tie those together. How do you see the the experiences that you had as a young man and as growing in into music and as an educator and working in all these these jazz contexts and now the Bach Society how do they come together uh well well first I should I should mention when I started working for the Bach Society I gave up playing on weekends I thought I just can't keep all of this going uh, so that's the one thing that set aside I guess, you know, playing in a jazz group, because quite often I played in trios and quartets, you had to listen to one another, respond to one another, work as a team, and, and know that you're not it, you're part of what the it is. And I think that helps as a conductor realizing it's not about me, it's about us. Uh, and not just the us of the performers, but us of the audience as well. All of that comes together. The church choir work you know, that I did long ago uh, made me think, uh, or I guess it gave me the background of knowing you're working with volunteers to a large extent. People are giving up 
valuable time. It's a sacrifice. Uh, yeah, a sacrifice on their part to be, and you have to respect that, right. appreciate it, and feed them <laughs> in, a, in a sense. Um, so they're getting something important out of it. So they're getting a spiritual message from the music we perform, uh, an emotional lift, um, a, a, a release uh, from their daily lives and the troubles they have. I remember one of our singers, I probably shouldn't mention his name, uh, he buried his father and came to rehearsal that evening. I can't imagine it, Dennis. No. Can't imagine it. It, it. it almost brings me to tears to, to, to mention it, but many of our singers are not unlike this, that they're going through personal tragedies uh, or, or problems of one sort or another uh, and uh, crises, and they come to rehearsal and their lives are uplifted and improved for that time together. Most people come into rehearsal a little tired. You bet. And by the, <laughs> and by the time they leave, there's a lift in their step. Yeah. And something. And many people have told me that they can't go home and go to sleep. They're still up for a while, you know, kind of wired <laughs> from the excitement of making great music It's together. rejuvenating. Oh, uh, it is, no yeah. Question a great word. It. Yeah. it really is. Did you, Dr. William Heine started the Bach Society back in the, just when World War II was looming. Um, did you ever meet him? Yes. Tell me about that. Uh, <laughs> Do tell me what he what what your impression of him was, what he said to you perhaps, and what your recollection of those that time was. Uh, well, Dr. Heine was very revered. Uh, you know, people just loved him. Um and, and of course, he did great things with the Bach Society and uh, had incredible programs that he gave that, you know, they would go at that time to Keele Opera House. Now it's called Stiefel, uh, 3,500 seats, I think, in those days. And they would have to give two or three performances of events, you know, filling it. Uh, but of course, at that time, he was one of uh, maybe just two big choruses in town. Now we have over 40 <laughs> independent choruses, uh, so audiences are spread a little more thin. Well, anyway, getting back to Dr. Heine, uh, he, was not, he, he wasn't in good enough health that he could come to concerts to hear them, so I would send him recordings of what we did, and then he would write a little critique to send back to me. <laughs> This I can't wait to hear about. Uh, uh, but they all were very positive and very supportive. And he was just so happy that we were doing Bach. That Bach, again, had become our focus of the organization. It, it's the legacy of, of the Bach Society. It's its history. It's its, its future. Um, this was you know, so important. And I was having such a wonderful time doing this great, and still do, uh, doing this great music. Um, on a few occasions, I went to visit him in his home. Uh, he and Vera were, were still alive. And um, this was not long after the first year that I went to see him, to meet him, to get to seek his counsel sure. on where I should be going with this organization. And uh, I sat down. One of the first things he said to me is, I understand Mrs. Smith is no longer uh, singing with, with us. I thought, uh-oh, I did something wrong. <laughs> I don't recall if her name was Smith or not. Maybe she no, just no, said no, Mrs. No, S. No. Yeah, no. Uh, that, that probably wasn't If your Smith. name is Smith, yes. we're not talking yeah. about no, no, you. No, no, uh, no. Mrs. S. <clears throat> and I said, well, well, well yes, uh, that happened. I said, you know, I, I had to audition all the singers because I needed to hear what their voices were like. 
and, and she finished, and I said, I said, okay, I'd love to have you back as a soprano too. And Mrs. S. responded, and she said, soprano two, I've always been a soprano one. And she left. And he said, and when I heard that, I said, hooray for Sparger. <laughs> I've been trying to get rid of her for years and years. <laughs> And we became oh, friends. Well, that's good. <laughs> if he were here today, if he were sitting right here, what would he what would he say to you? What 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 do you think he would say to you, or what would you like him uh, to say about you? I would like him to say "Bravo, Sparger," <laughs> as he did that day, uh, because I've done I, I think the best that could be done in keeping the music of Bach in front of the St. Louis people. There's something powerful, uplifting, spiritual, artistic in the musical Bach that you just don't get anywhere else. It truly is the best. And, and I think he would have a deep, deep appreciation of that. I recently heard from his grandson. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, living in Grand Rapids. And uh, again, he was so delighted that we continue to do the music his grandfather set in front of us. Just the final moments of Bach's Mass in B minor, the Dona Nobis Pacem, grant us peace. From a concert in 2019 by the Bach Society Chorus and Orchestra, conducted by music director Dennis Sparger. In fact, all musical portions today were taken from concerts given by the Bach Society, recorded by our good friend and Grammy Award-winning recording engineer, Paul Hennerick. Subscribe to Bach Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at bachsociety.org.